Welcome to the Lion Show. I am Lebu Lawu. This is not the Lion Show. That's my YouTube channel. Sorry, guys. Yeah. Yeah. Can let me teach you a lesson. Can let me teach you a lesson. Lebu Lawu with the tweets. Follow me back to my nest. Lebu Lawu with the podcast. Listen, cause I got class. Level line with the impact. You be lying, that's a real fact. Come, let me teach you a lesson. Come, let me teach you a lesson. Level line with the tweets. Follow me back to my nest. Level line with the podcast. Teach you lesson, cause I got class. Level line with the impact. You be lying, that's a real fact. Let me learn your song. Let me learn your song. Let me learn your song. Come here, let me learn your song. 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 Come here, let me learn your song. 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 Come here, let me learn your song. 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 Come here, let me learn your song. Welcome to the Lion Show. I'm your host, Lebo Lion, and I'm so excited to be here with you for season two of the Lessons with Lion podcast. Guys, I know it's been a long time coming for 2019, but I'm finally here and I can't wait for the amazing content that I have to share with you guys for 2019. So let's get into it. I have to tell you one thing. This thing of talking into a mic and imagining that my audience is listening to me is still really new to me. Like it's so awkward, you know, because you're just sitting here alone in a room and you're talking and you look crazy. You literally look crazy to people who are watching you because they're like, who is this person talking to? What are they talking about? Crazy lady alert. So I just want to say thank you guys for continuously supporting Lessons with Lion. I've seen so many threads on Twitter of people showing that they've subscribed to the Lessons with Lion podcast. And I just want to give you guys a big thank you. Thank you so much from the bottom of my heart. I wouldn't be as hyped and as motivated and as excited if I wasn't getting all the love that I was getting. So thank you so much for validating, further validating what I do. But today we're going to be talking about something that I've been thinking about for a long time. And that's because I've kind of been going through a period of introspection where I'm almost 30 now. I mean, I'm 28, turning 29 this year. And I'm really kind of like looking at my life and seeing what I've achieved, what I've done well, what I haven't done well, where do I want to be in the next 10 years? You know, I'm just trying to figure it out because I feel like if you don't sit with yourself and ask yourself those questions, you're just going to keep wandering through life aimlessly. And then what's the point? You know, having a plan actually allows you to enjoy your life because you've got milestones and things to look forward to. So I've just been kind of introspecting, decluttering my life, seeing who should stay, who should go, what should stay, what should go, what I should improve and what I should celebrate. And part of that has been me thinking about my childhood and thinking about if my childhood were different, 
would I be a different person? If my parents had done certain things, would I be more successful or less successful? And that's kind of what gave rise to our topic today. So today we're going to be going through the things that I wish my dad had told me about entrepreneurship. For me, this topic is really dear to my heart and it's very relevant to the life that I've lived because I come from a very entrepreneurial family. So my dad was the entrepreneur. Me and my sister went to private schools. We had the lives that we had because my dad took the risk to be an entrepreneur and he literally put everything he had into entrepreneurship. So there was no way he could, you know, get out of it and have a comfortable life. He literally put everything he had into his business and luckily for him, it succeeded for about 20 years. And then afterwards, things didn't go so well and he eventually had to shut down his operations and find a new path and reinvent himself. Being a child whose parent is an entrepreneur and having a parent who was successful enough to be able to give me the life that so many people want, that so many people whose parents had consistent and steady jobs didn't get. I feel like I should be a better entrepreneur than I am, you know? When I became an entrepreneur, I was like, listen, my dad's been an entrepreneur, my aunt has been an entrepreneur, she's won so many awards, and so I feel like I'm equipped to become a really amazing entrepreneur. But that wasn't the case. And before I move forward, I'm not trying to say that my dad didn't, you know, teach me or try hard enough to let me know about life and teach me the lessons that he thinks I should learn. But it's just me introspecting and going, yes, my dad tried to teach me. Yes, my aunt tried to teach me certain things, but there were still certain things that they couldn't themselves teach me and that only experience could validate for me and teach me, you know? I think sometimes we rely too much on our parents or our mentors or our teachers to teach us everything. And I can tell you now, as the 28 year old that I am, I have learned that experience is the best teacher. Experience truly is the best teacher. So just a bit of background, my dad was an entrepreneur and I think he started in varsity. I remember they got a bit of money from some program he had been in. And unlike spending it like his peers, you know, on parties and fancy cars, my dad bought a combi. And he used that combi to transport students to and from school and he made money from it. That's how entrepreneurial my family is. Everybody, almost everybody, has some kind of entrepreneurial bone in their body. So you can just imagine how competitive our household is because everybody's looking at the other person and saying, what's the new thing you're doing? What's the thing that you're improving? How well are you doing today? You know, it's healthy competition. We're family after all. So we love each other before we love business. But it's just been that kind of environment for me. You know, my dad gave me rich dad, poor dad to read. He's the one who hooked me up with all of these entrepreneurial books that I see people only starting to re read and discover in their thirties. I was reading those books at the age of 12. I was reading Steve Biko at the age of 11. I write what I like by Steve Biko. I was reading that at the age of 11. So I come from a very competitive entrepreneurial family of people who 
really succeed and have been able to take their children to school through entrepreneurship. And I know a lot of the time when we hear people speak about this, we'll sigh and go, oh, that man was lucky or it was so easy. And a lot of my peers thought my life was good and my life was easy and that my parents just kind of fell into a little bit of money and their businesses just became automatically successful overnight. But that's not true, guys. My dad comes from vendor, rural vendor, at a time when apartheid was really, really rife. I remember he used to tell us when we were little about how he had to hitchhike to Joburg and he didn't have shoes, that he had to find a way to take himself through varsity because his parents didn't have money to take him. How he was one of the first guys to manage, uh, in inverted commas, the trolleys at Rosebank Mall. So he said, before Rosebank was what it was, there was a Woolworths there and they would hire black guys to push the trolleys and pack them away. And he was one of the first ones to get hired to do that. And for a guy who comes from that, no shoes, hitchhiking to Joburg, black man in apartheid era, to pushing trolleys to take himself to school, and then being able to give his children a suburban life and a private school education, that is big. And that is not something that just comes easily, doesn't fall into people's laps. And that's one misconception that people have. Entrepreneurship is not easy. And the people who succeed deserve the praise and the celebration that they get. And their family members deserve the lives that they're afforded to them because becoming a successful entrepreneur isn't easy. And we must all acknowledge that when we're judging people, when we're looking at them and their lives look easy, let's acknowledge that they have a story to tell and a journey that we have absolutely no clue about. So I compiled a small list, I think it's a short list actually, of the things that I wish my father had taught me about entrepreneurship. The first thing that I've learned from entrepreneurship that I wish my dad had told me is that media coverage doesn't always make you money. In fact, most of the time, media coverage doesn't make you any money. Remember, guys, you are just content for these media publications. They don't actually care how much money you make, how successful you become after the article. Most of them don't care. It is not their job to make you successful. Sometimes when you get media coverage, you might get you know, the right investors or customers reading your article or seeing your interview on television or radio, and they might contact you. But for most of the time, media coverage, media interviews don't make you money. They don't do much for you except for get you a little bit of exposure. And we all know by now that exposure does not pay the bills. If you guys follow me on Twitter at Lebolime underscore SA, you know I'm always talking about that exposure does not pay the bills. It took me a long time to learn this lesson because when I was a child, my dad used to get featured on a lot of magazine covers and get a few newspaper articles written about him. So I used to think, whoa, like dad is probably making money because he's getting featured on these magazine covers. And he never told us that that wasn't the case because every time he'd get featured on a magazine cover, we would celebrate, we'd go get some cake and have tea, you know, something like that. We'd celebrate it, he'd frame it. So at the time, I didn't know that media coverage didn't get you money. You know, that it really was like a lottery. Like you might win, you might lose. 
it's just a thing it's just content so don't take media coverage too seriously but make sure that when you do get media coverage that they represent you well because the last thing you want to do is to be shown in a way that you don't want to be seen so i've i've learned that media coverage doesn't make you money and you must never allow a media publication to control your narrative because you'll find yourself being accountable for a story about yourself that you had no business in creating. A lot of the time I see media publications that want to profile me as an entrepreneur and I'm like no 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 this is not the time why are you profiling me in a way that I have not agreed to and they'll write about me in a way that I feel isn't a true representation of where I am at the stage of my life. Be careful of media coverage guys it is not the be all and end all of your business. Another thing I wish my dad had told me about entrepreneurship is that fame is not always good when you're a business person. And what I've realized is that in fact sometimes the fame can distract you because you get more involved in the business of being famous than in the business of doing the work that you are praised for. I don't think black children are taught enough about how to handle fame, about how to handle celebrity or popularity. That thing is very very distracting and it's very very addictive a lot of people fall off the wagon a lot of people forget their passions and what they're good at because they just enveloped in this world of fame and popularity and frenzy it's it's not money fame can expose you to your clients fame can even pay you to be in certain spaces to do certain things but fame is not your business your business is your business whether you're famous or not your business is your business and never get confused with managing your fame with managing your business so just because you're managing your fame it doesn't mean that you're managing your business they are two completely separate entities that's important to acknowledge that fame and your business are two completely separate entities another thing that i've learned from entrepreneurship that I wish my dad had told me and I think he tried you know I think he tried to teach me this but hey I just I guess I didn't hear him because I hadn't experienced it and I thought I knew better and this is an important point for me I've learned that in business a lot of people you being nice as a sign of weakness or naivety and not strength being nice and polite is not a determinant of how well people will treat you in business In fact, most of the time people will take advantage of you because you are nice. This conversation I can have until my ears turn blue because it's something I experience constantly and it's something I'm always trying to teach myself about drawing the line between being nice and professional, being, you know, someone people can get along with but also someone people can respect. And I found that nobody really cares how nice you are. Obviously you can't be like just a mean person and just be rude to everybody but nobody really cares about how nice you are. It is not a measure of whether they're going to give you a contract or pay you or choose you. It's not about being nice. It's about being strategic. Knowing what to say, how to say it and who to say it to. More than it is about the fact that you greeted everybody and looked them in the eye and you know, you were polite. I think even as African children because we are taught this concept of humility we often forget that in the business world people take advantage of that african humility 
white people aren't taught humility the way that black people are taught it. And unfortunately, the, the entrepreneurial space is a predominantly white space and it has white culture. So how we are humble is really a way that allows a lot of business people to take advantage of us. So we need to be able to differentiate between the different kinds of humility we should have in business and at home. They are very different, especially for the African child. Don't concern yourself with being nice or being liked. Just concern yourself with doing the job and being a person who's there. Just have basic, basic human respect. You know, know people's names, speak when you need to speak, be there, be present, be efficient, but don't concern yourself with being nice. That is how you're going to lose. I think tying into this concept of being nice, another thing that I wish my dad had taught me about business is the art of acting stupid. You know, I believe that I'm a very intelligent person and honestly, I think that my opinion of my intelligence is the only thing that matters because that's what would drive me to do more. But it doesn't matter what I think of myself in the sense of how smart I am. It doesn't matter if I think I'm the smartest person around. It doesn't matter if I think I'm smart. In business, there are times when you just need to learn how to act stupid and let somebody teach you about something that you already know. This thing is so frustrating. I struggled with it for such a long time. Even now, I've had to learn how to have coping mechanisms for that thing. Like when somebody's teaching me something I don't know, I actually start to sing a song in my head sometimes and look at them in the eyes and nod whilst they tell me what I know. <laughs> I still haven't gotten to grips with this idea of acting stupid and letting someone tell you what you already know so that you can get to the next phase of whatever you're trying to achieve. But I've really seen that there is so much power in acting stupid sometimes, you know, letting people undermine you and give you because they undermine you. A lot of the time people won't give you things if they feel like you are that great or if they feel like you can outcompete them, they will shut you out. So acting stupid, letting people teach you is the best way to go in without too much resistance from the environment that you're in. But basically act stupid sometimes and you will win. But remember, don't act stupid all the time because sometimes when somebody undermines you publicly, they are making it seem like you don't know what you're doing. And when they do it that way, then your potential client you could be looking will also undermine you and go, well, if this guy's saying it and this person is agreeing, then they're probably not good at what they say they're good at. So know when to act stupid. I found that in 80% of the situations where I'm working with big corporates, I have to act stupid. <laughs> Uh, but if I'm working with a private client, like an individual or a small entrepreneur who runs their own business, I need to act smart because they want to believe that they're getting premium service or premium consultation, but for a, a lower price, you know? So you just have to gauge the environments where you need to act stupid or where you need to act smart and then act accordingly. One thing that we talk about a lot on Twitter is money and how do you make money in your business? How do you know how to charge in your business? How do you know how to price your services and your products? That's a very, very big topic. Even in marketing, that P, the price P is something that we're still researching. We're still trying to figure out because 
it's really important but also it's really complicated and it's just so hard to grasp and that's where my next point is lying in terms of what i wish my dad had told me that is it takes a long time to make a profit in your business usually it takes a couple of years if you are lucky this is so true my dad even though he afforded us the lifestyle that we afforded when we were little he wasn't actually making profits from the beginning of him investing in a new business and starting his own business and just because you're not making profit it doesn't mean you're not making money to survive that you're not making enough money to pay yourself to survive so i think we all need to conscientize ourselves in that way as entrepreneurs and not be so hard on ourselves about not making profit in the first few years it's incredibly difficult to make a profit in the first few years even uber is facing that uh, challenge even sweep south is facing that challenge i mean one great case study is facebook it took facebook 5 years to start making a profit and it took twitter about 12 years to start making a profit i think i hope i'm right with that twitter one but i know with facebook it took them 5 years to start making a profit don't be so hard on yourself because you're not making a profit just make sure that you're making enough money to sustain you and to be able to pay yourself a salary that will allow you to live a decent life but just be aware that it takes a long time to make a profit the next point is very sensitive and it's sensitive because of the country we live in the racial climate the political climate it's all a mess that is the issue of race a lot of entrepreneurs don't want to admit this for a lot of reasons and i think it's a lot of personal you know emotional reasons they don't want to admit that a person's skin color in south africa really plays a role in their ability to be in spaces and their access to resources in so many things that other entrepreneurs who are privileged don't have to think about we need to acknowledge i think as entrepreneurs as content creators and even people who are parents they need to acknowledge that that's a conversation that they have to have with each other and their children if they're really going to equip us to succeed in this world so yes i wish my dad had told me that my skin color will always be a hurdle that i have to overcome as a black entrepreneur or freelancer or content creator or just anything independent where i'm trying to make money as a black person we all know that south africa has faced the worst and the most with apartheid and our country is really racially segregated even though apartheid has been formally abolished we are still living really unequal lives where you find that white people have more access to things they're more credible they're allowed you know than black people are and so they can have authentic entrepreneurial stories and what i mean by authentic is they can say well you know my parents didn't have a lot of money but i went to varsity and i used my money to do from this to do that and my money from that to do this and i really worked my way up i truly believe that white south african entrepreneurs who are succeeding a lot of them have very authentic stories where they really did truly work hard to get to where they are but now when you add the element of race it trivializes the struggle for so many people the journey and the challenges 
aren't about your intelligence and your ability to move through the challenges. It isn't about your ability to maneuver through the challenges and be strategic. Now it's about your ability to not be black, not to act black, or your ability to appease whiteness. I know from having experience in the entrepreneurial landscape and in corporate, that you find that a lot of people believe that if they associate with white people or make white people happy, that they'll get access to a lot of things. And so far, to be quite honest, that has been the truth for many people. You find that a lot of black entrepreneurs in South Africa who are successful associate with white people or have predominantly white friends or have predominantly white business partners. And that has to say a lot about our environment and where it is at the current moment. I wish my dad had told me that my race will always be a hurdle that I have to navigate over, that I have to jump over every time I try to be an entrepreneur. And if you're a black woman, well, then it's even worse. Your gender and your race become hurdles that you constantly have to go over that I believe distract you from doing the actual work and that's my problem with it that it's such a distraction you know you want to focus on doing the work you want to focus on the challenges you don't want to focus on race or your gender those are not business challenges and if they are they shouldn't be it is such a big distraction furthermore on this idea of race and gender so just adding on to this idea of your race and your gender mattering in the entrepreneurial landscape in south africa another thing i wish my dad had told me explicitly because i think he tried you know in the sense of encouraging me to go to university and blah 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 but he never explicitly said why I wish he had told me that having a degree matters when you're a black entrepreneur. This is not to say that you won't succeed if you don't have it. But remember, in a country that marginalizes, oppresses people for the color of their skin, especially if that skin is brown skin, then you need to do a whole lot to prove that you're a credible person, that you're competent, that you're trustworthy, just because of a ridiculous system of racism and so people will raise the bar they will have higher expectations for you than they would have for your white counterpart and they won't allow you to fail as much as they'll allow their white counterparts if you think what i'm talking is hogwash then there's nothing i can do for you but i think if you asked a lot of black entrepreneurs who've been in the game who are making money or succeeding they'll agree with me you know that there are always higher barriers for black entrepreneurs to have to get over. And the entry is much harder for us because of the color of our skin. And so having things like degrees almost makes white people and gatekeepers feel like they can allow us in and they can use it as motivation or justification to say why they put us in the space when that shouldn't be the case. Talent should speak. My business making money should be the representation of why I've been let in. But in South Africa, it's not always the case. So guys, you can bury your head in the sand about this racism issue, or you can confront it and make sure that you are navigating through it strategically so that when you see it happening, it doesn't hurt your feelings and dishearten you and make you depressed because I'm telling you it will. Instead, it will make you feel like, okay, I've got this. I'm going to
now we're getting into an element that I don't think anybody ever has right. Like, I don't think we ever truly master this. But over time, over the years, with artificial intelligence, I think we're really creating more time for ourselves to understand position themselves in environments where they're surrounded by the people that they need to work with or the people that they want to work with you'll find yourself being a big fish in a little pond you know starting your business in your township community and then you want to hire people there and the people who you're exposed to in that community just aren't the right kind of people you need to work with for your business so i feel like as black entrepreneurs we really struggle with finding the line between hiring people, the right people, and then how we treat them. It can go very sour very quickly. People can literally mistaken your friendly demeanor, your open attitude, your tell me how you feel environment to just let me disrespect this person whenever I feel like it. So we really need to make sure that the lines don't get blurred. And we shouldn't expect our employees to respect our businesses just because we're giving them a chance or showing them compassion. They don't owe us anything. You need to remember that, guys. Your employees don't owe you anything but the work that you're paying them to do and a little bit of respect just because, you know, sheer human decency is a thing. Like, just because of sheer human decency, they owe you a little bit of respect, just like you owe them a little bit of respect. But that's it. I remember the first time I opened my own offices for my first business and I hired a girl who was supposed to be my assistant and kind of like my right hand woman to groom her for a higher paying position with more responsibility. And I felt like at the time I was doing her a favor because she didn't have the qualifications. She had finance qualifications and I wanted someone with marketing qualifications, but the dad asked me, so I was like, okay, cool. Needless to say, my experience with her was not great. And the reason why it wasn't great is because she misunderstood our arrangement. And I'll blame it on myself because as the leader, I feel like nothing happens if you don't allow it. Like, if you allow things, they happen. If you don't allow them, they don't happen. So I allowed her to get the wrong impression about what she was there for and how she was expected to behave and perform. And so she just, you know, she blew up in front of all of us and she was very rude and just out of place. 
and we eventually had to fire her. So I learned quickly from that experience that hey, your employee doesn't owe you anything but what you hired them for, and you don't owe them anything but what you hired them for. So be careful and remember that it's more important and beneficial to hire the right people in the long term than it is just to hire people because you feel bad for them. I also learned through experience, and I really wish my dad had told me this, to focus on my stakeholders, mainly my customers and my investors, and not on other things. Because that's where growth really is. That's where the money is. You can have all the media interviews, you can have all the friendships that you want, but without customers who are paying and investors who believe in your business and want to put more money in, there's no business, there's no money. You need to focus on them. That is your first priority before travel engagements, before media interviews, before family what what. That is what you need to focus on. In fact, that's what I believe I can always do better. And every time I've tried to do it better, I've succeeded so much more. So that's one lesson I would give every entrepreneur. Focus on your main stakeholders, which are your customers and your investors. I've also learned, and I think my dad told me this, I just wasn't listening. But I learned to work hard, not smart. I think we all hear this a lot on motivational pages for entrepreneurs and every kind of platform where they're teaching you how to be a better you. They say work hard, not smart. I think we get so consumed in being busy. You know, it's so nice to look busy. That we end up just doing things that we don't need to do. Being overworked with stuff that isn't really adding to our organizations or our businesses. It's important to work hard. It's important to know what kind of work to do, when to do it, how to do it. As opposed to just working and being busy and tired all the time. Because guess what? Nobody cares how busy you are. All we care about are results. We care about getting our product or services on time in the right way. We don't care how busy you are. Being busy is just performative. Always work smart over working hard. Always work smart over working hard. It will benefit you so much in the future and it will stop you from doing things just to please people and show people how successful you are. It will just be about you and your work, which is what it should be about. I know from failing and succeeding so many times in the short time that I've been an entrepreneur that there will most probably be cases where you need to reinvent yourself. Never be afraid to reinvent yourself, guys. In fact, being able to reinvent yourself is so powerful. It's so powerful. It breathes new life into you. It makes you feel strong. It makes you feel capable. And it allows you to teach yourself new skills. I remember my one of my first businesses uh, where we had offices was having a tech company where we manufactured iPads and we branded them and put them in rural schools and township schools so that they could have access to educational material, especially in the fields of English and science, so that they could just have an educational edge, you know? And there's a lot that I learned from my business, but it failed. And I had to reinvent myself. And when I left that business, when we shut it down, I decided to work for someone, for a company for a couple of months. And in that company, had to be someone completely different to the boss that I was in my old company. Things didn't work out so well in that company as well. Even though I performed and I gave them the results, it just didn't work out because of politics. And so I left. And then I had to invent myself and then I started my own business again. 
In all of this, it's a process of reinventing yourself. Reinvention is survival. Reinvention is survival. If you can reinvent yourself and find ways to adapt to new environments continuously, you will survive and you will thrive. I promise you that. I'm here, I'm alive. I'm a testament to the fact that reinvention works. Whilst you're reinventing yourself, whilst you're building a business, whilst you're in it, it's very important to enjoy the process. I wish my dad, I wish my role models had told me that the most important thing is to enjoy the process. It's so fun. It's so much fun starting a business. It's so much fun getting your first couple of clients. It's so much fun trying to navigate through the challenges, figuring out ways to overcome certain things you'd never experienced. It's so cool learning new skills from starting a business. I love starting businesses. If I could, that would be the only thing I do, just start new businesses and when they get to a certain point, sell them off. I would do that. Like, it's so much fun. The process is the point. The process is everything. Don't be afraid to enjoy the process. As someone who never thought they could live through failure, here I am enjoying life. Adulthood is a time when you get to shape your everyday. You get to choose the things that make you happy and that make you feel fulfilled. So don't start a business if you feel like the small challenges of being an entrepreneur aren't going to enhance your life. You know, the challenges fuel me. I don't know about you, even the racial ones, some of them fuel me. And I'm just like, they don't know me, I'm gonna prove them wrong. And that fuels me, gives me life. If all of these things don't give you life, or some of them don't give you life, then you really shouldn't be in this business because it is cutthroat and success is not guaranteed. The last thing I wish my dad had told me about business is that the grass really is not greener on the other side. <laughs> hey, this phrase, this phrase, the grass is not greener on the other side. It's so important as a human being, as a business person, as an influencer, as an entrepreneur, employee, never ever fall for that trap that the grass is greener on the other side. The only reason why you would think that the grass is greener on the other side or that your grass looks dull is because you're not focusing on your grass. You're not tending to your garden. You're busy focusing on other people's yards. And so therefore, when you neglect your own yard, it won't look as green as the yard next door that's being attended to. The grass is not greener. It's just about how much work you put into it. Put work into your yard, put work into your grass, and your grass will be green enough for you. Don't focus on other people. Don't live your life for other people. Live it for yourself. Whether in business, whether in the personal capacity, live your life for yourself and your grass will be green enough. Guys, I hope some of the points that I made have resonated with you. I hope that you've learned something or that you know you feel empowered that you're not the only person who felt this way and wish that they were told more about what they were going to encounter when they decided to become an entrepreneur. I found freedom in entrepreneurship when I realized that it's nobody's responsibility to teach me anything. It's not even my dad's responsibility to teach me anything. Yes, it would be nice, but he's not responsible for it. My life, my rules, my responsibility, I need to take accountability and responsibility for everything. 
And so what I've learned to do is just throw myself in situations where I can learn. Anywhere where I can learn something new, learn something about myself, even if I have to give my services for free for a month, just to be in a place where they'll let me learn, where I can learn something, I do it. I'd rather learn now and learn as quickly as possible than be learning for the next 30 years about things that I, I should have known. Your 20s are a time to learn. Take full advantage of that. Go and learn. You don't have to be making billions right now. You can forfeit the billions, make a few hundred thousand or millions, depending on who you are, and go and learn. Invest time in teaching yourself. It's the best thing you can do. And experience is the best teacher. Go in other people's businesses. Use your own business as a learning experience. Do what you need to do, but learn and teach yourself. Listen to podcasts, watch videos, whatever you need to do. Teach yourself, take those lessons, and most importantly, implement them. Not easy, but it's doable. Anywho, thank you so much for tuning in to the first episode of Lessons with Line for 29.2, episode 1, season 2. I'm looking forward to having an amazing year with my podcast fam, having deep conversations, conversations that help us grow and learn. I can't wait. I'm super duper excited and I can't wait to see your businesses grow. If you have any comments or feedback about this podcast, please don't be afraid to email me at lessonswithline at gmail.com or you can tweet me at levelline underscore SA on Twitter or visit my Facebook page, Levelline, and just start the conversation. Tell me what you gained from this podcast, any questions that you may have, anything you want to add. I love when you guys add extra points. It gives me life. So please don't be afraid. Contact me. Let's chat. And until next month, I wish you prosperity. I wish you opportunities to learn. I wish you success. I wish you peace. And I wish you happiness. Lots of love. Never lie.